If Murray had supported the show, I'd be less sick of podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> America's first. Blah, blah, blah. Blah, blah, blah. Sending out good vibes. Go to as many meetings as you want, but if you're not working the program, yeah, being sober is one thing, but you know, having serenity and peace and joy and happiness is 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 really what you're striving for. Okay, guys, welcome back to the Grand America Show. We are gonna be chatting with hometown hero, Stanley Cup champion, Olympic gold medalist, world junior champ, world junior champ, fellow Canadian, fellow Calgarian, clean and sober, fourteen years. Yep, Theron Flurry. Um, some of you might not know who that is, judging by uh, judging, judging by our audience and the subjects we normally cover. I would say that a lot of you probably don't watch hockey. Yeah, a seventy-five percent a year in the states. And I would like to think it's probably a form uh, the section of this of the of the population that is less into sports already, and then Americans are already extremely disinterested in Canadian. The thing sports, is, yeah, but the thing is, I bet you if you're if you're into sports at all, you probably know who Theo Fleury is. You know? Think he so? Was, yeah, he's like he's one of the best NHL players ever. I mean, he's in the top like he's a top fifty. 39, I think he said, of a thousand, a thousand games played in the top 39 or something. Yeah. That's pretty, that's a pretty impressive career. Oh yeah. Being, being my size. Like he's literally, I think there's inch, a bunch of Americans who don't know who Gretzky is. He's an, no, no, no. Everybody knows who Gretzky is. Everybody Yeah, is? yeah. I yeah. think you're living in a hockey bubble, bro. I might be. <laughs> <laughs> no, but because sometimes I'm surprised when Americans know who Gretzky is. Yeah. Well, okay. Well, you guys let us know if you know who. Yeah, it'll be interesting. Flurry is or Gretzky is. Yeah. I mean, Gretzky wrote Flurry's forward, which is interesting. That's, yeah, yeah, that's right. You know, they, it, it's one of the first times Gretzky met Flurry. You know. Flurry jumped on the back of a guy that was tussling with Gretzky, or no, or no, tussling with somebody else. And like Gretzky, Gretzky actually was on the opposite team. He was on Edmonton at the time, and Flurry was on Calgary, and he, he grabbed him and dragged him to the bench, like not in a fighty way, but in a like you know, in like the most prominent superstar of the league, you know, taking Flurry kind of like. You don't fight. Yeah. Like just, just, you'll, you'll be okay. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, <laughs> yeah, it's pretty interesting. Gretzky, eh? Yeah. He jumped like Flurry just jumped on there. I mean, he's a tough, tough dude for like being an inch and like, he's an inch taller than me. Is he taller than you? Yeah. So huh. shorter than, I bet you, you but one of the short, I mean, you know, smallest guys ever to play really. And to do that well, I mean, it takes a lot of talent and a lot of work, I think. To, hey, you to, know who else is a little Canadian that. who did well? A little Steve Nash. Yep. Right? What are the chances of that little, little dude? Though, dude, he's like 6'5", probably. Steve Nash? Yeah, man. No, man. He's like your height. No, he's not. I'm telling oh you. Oh, my God, This is dude. the thing about Steve. Nobody's my height in, <laughs> in pro sports. <laughs> Let me check. Steve Nash yeah, you height. you go for it. You go for it. 1.9 meters. Oh. Well, ask, I'm one. So he's Siri actually. Convert. Is he even ask, taller than me? Of course he is. He's taller. Oh, he's six foot three. Why oh, did there I think? You go. <laughs> See, look at that. How close I was. Why did I think he was short? Is uh, he the Canadian one? Well, because he's short compared to everybody else out there. 
He's a Canadian guy. That's why. You just think he's, because he's, he's an underdog already. He's a white guy <laughs> from Canada. <laughs> he did look short. Yeah. I thought he was like I five foot seven. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Steve. Next nah. three. I don't think he listens to the show. We'll uh, be okay. Anyway, I didn't get a chance to do you. That's all right. Oh, yeah. I'm Graham. And Graham Dunlop. Yeah. Graham, oh, no, this no, is a special. It. We got Graham, the narrator Dunlop. Thanks, buddy. Because your yeah. first book came out today. Came yeah. out today on Audible. Officially yeah. available on audio. Not my book, but not your no, book. But we're playing around with narr- narration and stuff. Yeah, we were. So yeah, we. Well, well, we've been doing some in the black budget, and that's kind of what led to it. I mean, we had there's so many things to read, and I mean, I'm an audio guy. I like to listen to stuff. Well, I, I don't have time to read, so for me, I'd rather read an essay, or sorry, listen to an essay, or listen to a that is how a book or an started, article. So it, it kind of started like we were like interrupting essays was a black budget episode where we'd read essays to each other and kind of interrupt each other and sort of make it like a fun thing, not just a bland read. Which of course eventually turned into the reading of the Unabomber Manifesto. That's right. Which now I realize we could have released into the regular feed. Well, maybe we'll do that. We could release it as a bonus, maybe over Christmas or something. So you know what? You know what a weird thing is? When I got sober, uh, there'll be three years after Theo Fleury got clean and sober because he's 14 years Mm -hmm. now coming up. I think it's like right around this time, actually. I'm at like 45 minutes because you count weed. If you didn't count weed, I'd be doing much better. Yeah. Well, actually, does a DMT count? Well, (laughs) (laughs) what about mushrooms? So if we don't count weed, but, DMT, or mushrooms, then I'm at like, uh, the last time I had a beer was in Oregon. Was it? For last CAC? Yeah, I didn't get drunk. I just had a beer. Huh. I had a beer each night while we played poker. Right. I haven't got drunk since my cousin's wedding. Really? Three years ago. Really? Yeah. Huh. I may never get drunk again. Yeah, it's not good. No, it not really, good. not for me. No, not I mean, I mean, me. not for me either. That's what I mean. I don't mean it. I'm not judging anybody else, no. but Darren gets drunk and shit goes off the fucking rails, and then onto the rails, and then all bets are off. Yeah. <laughs> oh like, man, I mean that Theo's Theo's book, like playing with flyer, oh. flyer, playing with fire, was crazy. I mean, it was this is this is you know playing at a high level of sports like that, and you know, and he was up, making like eight million a year, I think, for the Rangers. And they were like paying people to follow him around because he was like hanging out in seedy fucking, what do you say? He's like, I spent most of my days like three levels below the streets. Well, there was a couple of, a couple of instances like that. That wasn't, I don't think a regular thing, but you know, a lot of. No, he says in the book that the Rangers had hired somebody. Oh no, no, I know that. No, yeah, I know that. Yeah. There was people following him. Yeah. yeah. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's in their program, their alcohol and drug rehab program and all that. And they go through these stages and you know. And he tried it. He was sober for a while, and then he'd relapse, and well, yeah, things would pay- go out the window. And when you're paying a guy like three hundred thousand dollars a week, you want to know what he's up to. Yeah, yeah. But well, he, but he was. I mean, he made it through. I mean, he made, he made it. it he through. made it through. But I mean, a lot of people don't don't get out. But what I was going to say is, when I first got clean and sober, I uh, I I narrated the into a digital recorder, and I kept just thinking about this now, the AA book and the twelve st- and the twelve steps and twelve traditions. You did? Yeah. Where's the Where's the file? I got it. Actually, it's probably on my computer. Is it? Yeah. That's really It was a really shitty job. Like, And it was on a little digital recorder. But for some reason, I just wanted to, I guess I was consuming audio back then, like 12 years, 11, 12 years ago. And I was like, I want to listen to this instead of reading it. You know, so it's I narrated all the chapters out. And how many, is it a long book? How does it compare to Recovery Dharma? 
Same uh, length? Longer, probably, yeah. Probably so you, longer, this is yeah. hours. You spent hours yeah. narrating this. Yeah. Look at us. And I was talking into little tape like 12 recorders. years ago. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Pretended to be a radio host. Yeah. And we met in the middle. And then, so that's the other thing. So Recovery Dharma <laughs> is out as well as, as a free free book. And it's a free, it's in our regular feed, isn't it? That it's one? in our regular feed as an episode. And, and it's it, an audio book. Yeah, and it's also available on the Recovery Dharma website as a download. And, <clears throat> I mean, we should we could put that in Audible if someone wants. Someone could, I could make that into a file that they could put into Audible if they want to make a bit of money. Not us make money, but whoever owns Recovery Dharma. Yeah. Who owns, well, it's a nonprofit. Well, yeah, so the nonprofit would get the money then. Yeah, it might be in there. It would go down to whoever no, it's copyrighted on, it's on, the Somebody book. else did it right right as I was right after I'd recorded it. I found out somebody else had done it as well. So it was in the, it was in the uh I have hard to believe they got a that, They said they said it was they said they liked mine. Did they? Yeah, it was interesting. Nice. Yeah. But his was yeah. good too. He did all the meditations at the end. It was more his was kind of more professional in a way, very complete. Really? Yeah. Um but it's uh that was on, uh, what's the other thing? SoundCloud for some reason. So anyways, I'll find out it, recovery Dharma. It's like B- a Buddhist inspired approach to recovery, uh, from addiction of all kinds. That's right. So Pro- process yeah. addictions, you know, a lot of meditations and a lot of, uh, the, the four truths and the eightfold path from Buddhism and how it relates to addiction is pretty interesting. So Eric P and Tony episode three fifty. if anyone wants to go back and check it out, it's worth going and checking out. We got the interview there with Eric. Check that out and then probably get the book. I mean, we jumped right into the deep end of the pool. This is not an easy read. It's oh, it's uh, complex with a lot of crazy words in it. Yeah, it's, it was tough. It's, it was a challenge. It's 18 hours and 40 minutes long. I know because I edited it. And it's officially available on Audible and on iTunes and on Amazon. Anywhere you can get audiobooks, you can get this book. And, uh, you know, Eric took a big chance on us. He paid us to produce it for him. It's our first gig. It's our first paid audiobook gig. Yeah, we've done some pro bono stuff. We've done some pro bono stuff. We're doing some more pro bono stuff. We're also going to do some more paid stuff. And, uh, yeah. Hopefully. Hopefully. We're going to do the manifesto, I think, eventually. Well, we really appreciate Eric giving us the. Oh yeah, that's what it, that's where I was going I mean, with like that. I, you Eric know, took a huge chance, and we us. said no at first. I was like, "There's no way it was." It felt like it was impossible and daunting, and we pulled it off. So yeah, and we like to big shout out to Eric for taking a chance on us. So if you guys could, if you're into an audio book, a good eighteen and a half hour listen this is a great book, and your yours your buddy Graham's reading it. It's like an eighteen hour podcast. Then we'll put the link in the show notes. And we would love to see a bunch of you go out and buy Eric's book and let him see a big wave of support from the Grimerica community, which would be a good reason for maybe other Grimerica authors to say, hey, I should get these guys to do my audiobook. Maybe you guys know an author. Maybe you guys know someone whose book should be on audio and it's not. Give them a chat. Send them in our direction because uh, I think we're going to keep going down the audiobook route. It's fun. We like it. We got all the shit here to do it. We might as well keep going. Yeah. The F word, of course, is going into the black budget now, and that'll eventually be available on audio, not by us, but by the McGowan estate. And then, yeah, I think. Yeah, that's done, right? So that's coming out. That will be. Well, I'm going to get it to her before Christmas. Are you doing it through the publishing platform? I'm not publishing it for her. Not at all. But now, the good thing is now after 
working through all the kinks with Eric and knowing exactly what they need for files, I'll be able to give it to her just once. Did you did you say that that was Dave McGowan's book? Already? Yeah, Dave McGowan's book, Understanding the F Word. I would say uh, as in fascism. Yeah, by mid February, by by mid January, end of January, that she should have that available in the store as well. And we recommend you guys buy that too, because all those proceeds that go to the website and keep all that up and going, because it'd be a real shame to lose all McGowan's work. Yeah, and there might be more potential to read more McGowan's work. Uh, in well, audio. yeah, that's the other thing. If it goes well, then we could get into derailing democracy and um, weird scenes inside the canyon. Wouldn't that be oh, a great one? Oh, you don't think that's on Dunyan and Nadia? I don't know. I'd wow. imagine none of it is. Oh, that would be a great one. Yeah. Wow. That I don't want to talk to her about any more until we give her the finished files on a platter for the first one. Yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, like I say, I think uh, if the manifesto is in public domain, I think we might as well go for it. Yep. I don't know. Let us know what you think about that. Yeah. That's, you a, think that's, that's a, a strange bad, one. We're, we're going back and forth on whether that's something we want to be our first actual... I mean, people... Like you should you should title it like stop calling it the manifesto and call it what it really is industrial society and its future some i think is that what's called yeah. yeah now what wasn't there a bunch of different revisions as well we'd probably have to pick the proper revision well according to teddy he says you should <laughs> you gotta read the one out of his book it's okay. the only one that's not butchered okay but then he said you can't read any other part of the book because the rest of it is all copyrighted but you can read the manifesto as public domain okay I didn't write to Teddy. He didn't write to me. It was just a synchronistically a listener of ours just got the black budget, listened to it all and sent me in the note because he had, he sent Teddy a note in jail and Teddy mailed him back and mentioned that he'd love to see it turned into an audiobook. <laughs> <laughs> meanwhile, and you've already read it. it ends up in our lap. Yeah. And meanwhile, I've already read it as an audiobook, and we're tiptoeing into audiobook production and, uh, well, you know what? Well, we should talk should about I that. Should I read the letter bit. or should I not read the letter? No, I don't think you should read the letter. But I think people need to know what's in our black budget as well. There's some essays and there's a couple books in there now. And there's some really good chats. That's right. That's right. Actually, the last person who got the black budget was like, holy fuck, why don't you tell people about this? So I'm actually going to right now quickly go and I will actually go through... And I'm just going to describe how to get access to it because it's really just another feed of ours. We call it our black budget feed and it's just extra content, a little bit more controversial sometimes or sometimes not, but you can get access by just any donation, any one-time donation or any monthly donation. So it's still sort of value for value. I mean, even if you can't afford it, if you email me, we'll give you access. Yeah, It's just, you know, interact with us, get some access, hopefully donate to get access and then we have this extra thing in there. We didn't want to charge five bucks a month or nine bucks a month and start splitting up our regular episodes and putting half in there. This is just somewhere for us to dump some awesome extra content in there. I mean, I want to do one called Project Project Operation. But yeah, you've been saying that for a couple of years. I don't know now. how that'll turn out, but I've been keeping a long list of all the projects and operations we want to read, and I'm thinking it'd be fun to, it to go into fun. a bunch of those. You're a fun guy. Just a matter of getting time to do it as well. Is the problem. So, what do you got there? You got a what bunch do we of get? Uh, we got Grimericus psilocybus. Enter the mushroom. That's in there. That's episode one in there. Wow, from way back. From way wow, back. That's... That was the first time we ate mushrooms. I ate mushrooms, and me and Joey ate mushrooms on the podcast, allegedly. That's yeah. a bit of a shit show, but it's some people show. like some it. Some people love it. Other people hate it, but. Uh, it's in the black budget anyway. 
Uh, number two, contact at the cabin. That's a original contact at the cabin when there was only like seven or eight of us down in Washington State with Cyrus and all those guys. We recorded some podcasts. We also did the MSM Roundup down there. James the Handler was there. Yeah. Talking George Soros. We did an episode on George Soros. Did we? Yeah. Oh my God. Graham Erica's Black Budget show. Oh, we did one on all the- Where you talked about uh, the Black Budget. Not like the, this is the real black budget, not yeah, the black budget. Yeah. Episode, you did an episode on the black budget in the black budget. Yeah. But uh, it was all, it was also about the, uh, all the labs and national labs and cyber someday. It <laughs> 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 was going to be yours and James's weekly show, but you only recorded one. So that's James nation and Graham's cyber sun someday. <laughs> I don't think weekly was ever on the cards for that. Well, why were you calling it well, cyber maybe, someday? <laughs> Cyber one Sunday a month. Uh, Grimerica interview on end of days radio. We've got a trip report show, an hour and five of just crazy trip reports, including my trip report when I thought I was going to die on acid. So I'm never going to eat acid again. Uh, number nine, Alex Karras and RPJ. We get into UFOs, politics, and vaccines. Uh, episode 10, the world didn't end and technocracy prevails with true foe. Uh, episode 11, Disney fuckery and a journey through addiction with our friend of the show, Salvatore. Uh, number 12, Hey Siri. That's another mushroom mayhem episode where I say, Hey Siri, a whole bunch and it triggers everyone's phones. <laughs> so just a heads up when you listen to that one, it's going to keep making your phone go fucking weird. If you have an iPhone and we have Hey Siri prequel to a dream. I think that's the night before when it was just me and Joey. Uh, who, who knows what the fuck I say in those? Yeah, these are kind of old and, and rough and yeah. raw, so I don't know. We, sh we probably shouldn't advertise them too much. Number 14, the Vax Rant. By me. Wow. Number 15, brainstorming and railroading. Here comes Truffaut. <laughs> <coughs> Number 16, Leopardy number one, Grimerica versus Cruise and Mistake. That's when we tried the game show shows. Yeah. They were fun. They didn't go well. We had Graham's Conspiracy Quiz Contest, number 17. Number 18 was Leopardy number two. Number 19, getting geopolitical with it with Brian. Uh, number 20, the guys chat with their moms. Number 21, Jordan Boner Party Bonaparte Day from the Nighttime Podcast. Number 22, Sam Tripoli and Ryan Davis. Number 23, Randall Carlson. Number 24, John and Titus versus the Deep State. Number 25, Greg Carlwood from the Higher Side Chatch. Number 26, is Libertarianism a Scam with David Matheson? Number 27, with the Magical Joe Roop. 28 is the pushback on my Portland comments. Um... Interrupting Essays number one, September 11th, Revisited. Interrupting Essays number two, John Keel's Speech to the Congress. Okay, uh, so then we've got the four uh, Industrial Society and its future readings. We've got a couple episodes in there of We've Read the Documents before they went over to YouTube. Some Our Guys episodes with John and Titus talking about all the fascists. Uh, we did paper number 199. Is that Cass Clay? Oh, yeah. Cass that was, Sun, yeah. Cass whoever. Cass Sunstein's Cass uh, Sunstein. paper in 2008 or 2009 from uh, Harvard, I think, on conspiracies. Yeah. And he was uh, he was working for Obama at the time. 
Then we did a black budget show with Billy Bones and our friend Bill Loeb. We did another one with Bill and Salvatore a little while after that. We did another one with Bill, Justin, and Adam. Shrooms and remote viewing. Uh, uh, that's the last thing. We got the Randall Carlson pre-retreat meeting. So last spring, last March, April, we were doing all the uh, pre-Zooms for the contact at the cabin. We were talking about a lot of the Colorado geology and stuff like that. So there's about three of those in there. And then we have the Knights of the Round Table. We had a couple of the Knights from the No Agenda show come on, and we did some chatting about the current state of the world and all those sorts of things. We got the CAC 2019 sneak a peek, which was actually, that's actually the opening ceremonies and Randall Carlson's presentation from the second group in Colorado. We got the review show where we talked about Oracle cards and Odin and a couple other things we were sent in from the... Uh, Listeners? No, that was from the publicists, Inner Traditions folks. Oh, okay. We got a Brandon Powell breathing session on there. Ooh. I mean, it's a rough recording, but it gets the job done. It's if better you, than if the you want to learn the breath, had, yeah. yeah, it's better than the ones we had a CAC, but we got it in there so you can get some breath work technique in the black budget. And we got uh, the first sixteen chapters of F word in there as three separate episodes, which is which is um, understanding the F word by Dave McGowan. And is that book finished now in there? No, I've only got half of it in there. Okay, right so now. the second I'm, I'm half of that to, book. Yeah, I'm just kind of spacing yeah, it out so yeah. it doesn't all come out and there's nothing because that yeah. book will get us through like two months of black budget. Content. Yeah, so that's uh, coming out uh, in the next while. So the yeah, last, no, it's, last I'm half. doing an app yeah. a week okay. in the black budget. Good. Yeah. Four or five chapters yeah. a week, about Good. an hour, hour and a half a week. Awesome. So yeah, there you have it. I mean, this is, I mean, did we talk, I mean, this is an interesting episode because Flurry was when I was growing Short up, episode. when I was growing up, he's a little bit older than me. So when I was growing up and playing lots of hockey, adult hockey, he was in the NHL doing very well. Oh yeah. Doing like, very well. And going through his own shit with his demons and, and his addiction and all that. And as, as I was for many years, I mean, I think mine peaked after his and, and I uh, got sober after him quite a few years after, but I remember those trips in the nationals for ball hockey going to going away and then, you know, just playing hard out of guilt, you know, getting, getting way too hammered and, you know, and then just, uh, just feeling that guilt, you know, like it was, and then I couldn't stop coming home after that. And you just can't, you can't stop. I remember stop. like it was back in the day when I was just like, if you're going to a game or a concert yeah. or anything, what the first thing was like, how are we getting there and back? Because Drinking is guaranteed. Yeah. It's a guarantee. Like oh, yeah, pre -game, we left yeah. the Junos because there was they weren't serving booze. Yeah. We paid like three hundred bucks a ticket. <laughs> we're there yeah. for ten minutes. Yeah. No booze? Fuck this. We're going to the bar. Yeah. Oh yeah. Everything. everything and then you go to all those concerts uh, and games and you don't oh, remember yeah. anything. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. How many concerts? I've seen Red Hot Chili Peppers twice. Yeah. I, don't, yeah. I remember the last time because yeah. I was sober. Yeah. The first time? Nothing. I don't even remember like showing up. Yeah. So yeah, interesting. Uh, it just a lot of, it was an emotional read for me too, in a lot of ways. Cause you know, just thinking you, back. You know, what's funny is I read that book, like probably right around the time or right before we started the podcast. Wow. Yeah. And it didn't seem like it resonated with me, but all those weird things happened and I stopped drinking. Yeah. Just naturally. Yeah. And it's kind of like I had that UFO sighting that I didn't think really did anything. But then a couple of years later, I'm doing a podcast. Yeah. yeah. So 
tough to say what does what. Yeah. It's an amalgamation of things. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, it was a good chat with Theo. We really appreciate him coming on. Oh, yeah. He's a different world from us for sure. You know, it's a kind of crossing cultures, but it's a fun chat. And he's helping a lot of people out now. Yeah. He's uh, he's doing the good work for sure. Doing the good work. He's a good dude. We love to do another show with him. Uh, the audio does get a little spotty at times. He was on the road while he was recording with us. Um, but yeah, it's a good chat. A little out of the norm. I think you guys will enjoy it. Of course, there's isn't some more value we're throwing your way uh, for free because that's what we do around here. We just give you all these shows for free because we love you and we just want to get the word out, get the message out, get the information out there. That's number one. Number two is uh, filling your guys' day. Number three is it is good if we get a little cash back sometimes because it helps pay the bills. It helps buy the new computer I just bought. Uh, I'm buying Wirecast right away. We're spending a bunch of money. We don't really have to upgrade. Well, we kind of have to, though, right? I mean, we're having troubles. We're having trouble with the stream, so I had to fix. I had to make a decision. So I made the decision. It was a $1,500 decision. And then... uh, Not that the stream is that important, but we have to to decide whether we keep going or not. Yeah, if we were going to keep going with the stream, we had to get the computer. So it was either abandon the stream or don't. And the 50 or 60 of that like to check it out all the time, you know? Yeah. And it's growing, so we might as well just keep it going. So yeah. we, we don't mind spending the money, and we couldn't do it without the the folks you out there that do support us, and we can't believe that you do that. We love you for it. Speaking Those of you that don't, if you can, find it in your heart, head over to grimerica.ca slash support today. Sign up for a monthly, a yearly, a one-time donation, whatever you can do. Uh, whatever. If you find a little value in this show, and if it's added some value to your life in some way, shape, or form, then throw a little value back our way because yeah. that's how it operates yeah. around here. And that's all and, we really got. And speaking of streams and stuff, the last stream for the holidays will be on the 21st with uh, friends cruising with steak and probably Justin and Adam from Cat in the Box as well. And maybe Micah Hanks from the Grayling Report. Uh, we'll take some listener, listener calls. I'm going to give out the phone number now too, just in case. Uh, f- but because you can also leave a text and a voicemail on, on the studio phone. It's 403-702-6083. And I don't know how we're going to take calls, if it's through Skype or what, but uh, or we, have I know the, a couple of years ago we would call people back via Skype. But no, this time I'm just going to have the phone hooked right up so they can just call can the phone. That, okay. I think I can do that. Okay, well, we'll I have, We've never actually tried that, but I think it's time to try. All right. So we'll try it. Anyways, it'll be, a, it'll be sort of a shit show, Fandango, holiday special with a bunch of us and our podcasting friends and the listeners. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We'll get some listeners in. You guys can call in. Yeah. I'm going to get some edibles for that, I think. Oh, boy. Yeah. There'll be a lot of slurring. <laughs> All So this is, uh, this is, I don't know, it's sort of appropriate. I want to try and pick things that are appropriate for the episodes, but we just, last night we had a podcast with somebody that was talking about how they were addicted to opiates and benzos and all kinds of stuff. And it was really, really hard for them to get off. And it was all, Chris he Knowles. called it, yeah, but he called it off the, off the shelf, not off the shelf, off the label. And I don't really know what he meant by that. I was going to ask him. I think he meant over the count or no, I think he meant prescription. Yeah. Right? Yeah. 
Like they were all prescribed. Yeah. <clears throat> so I think this, this might be appropriate to that. The main reason we take so many drugs is that drug companies don't sell drugs. They sell lies about drugs. This is what makes drugs so different from anything else in life. Virtually everything we know about drugs is what the companies have chosen to tell us and our doctors. The reason patients trust their medicine is that they extrapolate the trust they have in their doctors into the medicines they prescribe. The patients don't realize that although their doctors may know a lot about diseases and human physiology and psychology, they know very, very little about the drugs that haven't been carefully concocted and dressed up by the drug industry. If you don't think the system is out of control, please email me and explain why drugs are the third leading cause of death. If such a hugely lethal epidemic had been caused by a new bacterium or a virus, or even one hundredth of it, we would have done everything we could to get it under control. You won't guess it. But it's a, it's a Danish medical researcher and leader of the Nordic Cochrane Center at Riggs Hospitalier in Copenhagen, Denmark. Hans? Peter. Oppenheimer? <laughs> <laughs> Peter C. Goltz. Goltz, MD. He was my next guest. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, anything else? I think we're going to have to get out of here. Yeah. Because we both got stuff to do. A busy night. Yeah. Busy night after work. Go play hockey. You got playoffs. You got hockey playoffs. Scored with 19 seconds last night. Disallowed. Disallowed goal to take the lead, and we lost in overtime. Well, and we had a four nothing lead too. It was a great game. Don't let your hockey escapades break into any old habits. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Other than that, you motherfuckers have a lovely weekend. We love you. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. So yeah, we got a special episode tonight. I mean, I always say that, but this truly is one. We've got Theo Fleury with us. He's uh, the NHL Stanley Cup champion, Olympic gold medalist, World World Cup junior champion, and an expert in the field of relational trauma. He's been clean and sober for 14 years. He's the author of uh, Playing With Fire, an amazing book I, I just finished reading. And uh, yeah, it's uh, good to have you here. Theo, thanks for coming on, buddy. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks. Yeah, it's really good. I mean, I guess I... You know, I got a ton of questions after reading your book. I was getting a little emotional there because it's pretty, pretty heavy story. But you know, I, I really appreciated your honesty, and uh, and just 
uh, of course it resonated with me being a, a short hockey player as well. And I mean, I played at a pretty high level and I partied a little too hard myself. So it resonated with a lot of that, but I thought it seemed like, you know, that b- book's been out for 10 years now. So you're still, you know, you're still, you're doing well, clean and sober. What, how's the, how's it been the last 10 years since the book? Well, it's been pretty much nonstop, you know, um, you know, they, they say the truth will set you free and, uh, <laughs> you know, obviously, you know, that's been my experience, but more than more importantly, I think, uh, you know, I've connected to a lot of people like yourself, you know, and, uh, you know, there's a lot of people that sit in my audiences when I'm speaking that, you know, haven't, uh, found the courage and the strength to, you know, talk, talk about the people that end up approaching, you know, the book signing table after each event, you know, that, uh, come up to me and tell me their story. Yeah. Yeah. I so found it's been so it's been you know <clears throat> pretty much non-stop you know we haven't stopped since you know 2009 since the first book came out and uh you know it's mostly you know speaking stuff now and uh yeah it's been it's been an amazing experience it's interesting because i read the book when it first came out like nine years ago and I, I just gravitated towards clean and sober afterwards. And I don't know if it, like, uh, it's funny because Graham and I were talking about it before, if it's like, you know, these things that resonate with you sort of after the fact. But uh, so how would you compare the last 10 years of your life compared to your hockey playing career? Because, I mean, from from my standpoint, what you're doing right now has got to be a lot more fulfilling. Yeah, there's no question. Uh, I would say my life is a lot more drama free (laughs) yeah you know and uh you know i guess what's happened is you know when you when you find your purpose um you know that's what drives you and that's what motivates you and and uh you know like i said uh and you know i've i've really been able to touch every sect denomination of you know, people out there, you know, so, uh, you know, I've spoken to, you know, junior high, high school, Aboriginal, um, corporate, you know, lots of different groups that deal in the field of trauma, mental health and addiction. So, yeah, you know, I think, um, what I do, you know, I think touches every facet of, of life. Yeah, that's what addiction addiction affects everybody, you know, and that type of uh, of recovery is an important message. And you come with, you know, with the clout of pushing yourself through that through that addiction and still playing at, at you know at a at a world uh, World Cup level, like a NHL level. I mean, that's uh, that's incredible. And then still coming through that through that in the end to sobriety is it's an amazing story. So I'm sure that that helps. Uh, helps your message people see that you know the professional that you've always been yeah it definitely you know gives me you know a louder voice than you know uh, the average person but you know i always say i'm i'm a floor licking drunk and that's all i am (laughs) if i don't stay sober today you know i could very easily you know fall back into it you know quite easily and i would say 
you know, I have another relapse in me, but I don't have another recovery. So, you know. Yeah. I'm glad you, you follow that abstinence model. I mean, that's the way I've been handling it as well. And, and your story, you know, your book, you know, there was plenty of times in there where you, you know, had a, had a little bit of sobriety and you chose to pick up and then it was back to, you know, being in the desert for three months with a pound of blow. I mean, this is where, this is where it takes you. Yeah. Yeah, of course. And, and, uh, you know, relapse is part of recovery, you know, uh, I've, I've met very few people who, you know, got it on the first attempt and, you know, um, I see it as a, you know, you, you take your old toolbox and you just switch it over. Right. You know, and my, my old toolbox was always filled with some sort of numbing, you know, aspect to it where, you know, I try, I avoided my feelings. I avoided, you know, lots of different things, and, you know, getting involved in drugs and alcohol is a great way of avoiding, you know, the reality of, of your pain and suffering. And, you know, when you, you know, when you put that down and you take away all your coping mechanisms, you know, it's, it's easy to fall back into that if you don't, you know, work a good program. Yeah. Yeah. So guilt and shame plays a big part in, or it played a big part in my, you know, my addiction for sure. And I mean, I can imagine playing at that level in the NHL and the, and the world, you know, in the, in the Olympics and all that and, and playing, did you, was there guilt there for you as well that kept you in addiction from like playing? Cause I remember going on like national, it was just national ball hockey championships, but we'd play, we'd party so hard that, I mean, I would play hard right out of guilt. I mean, it was just like, I'd have to, to go, go hard just cause I didn't want to look like a, a fuck up, you know, yeah. I mean, was there, was there a lot of that that kept you in there? Like, cause it, it must've been, did you feel any guilt there from, you know, playing in front of so many people, but just, uh, yeah. still, still but partying it, so hard. But you gotta understand hockey was easy for me. You know, I didn't, I didn't have to work at it. You know, I was right. ultra talented and, you know, I, I competed at a high level. And so, you know, um, but, you know, as we all know about addiction, you know, your addiction never gets better. It can continually gets worse and worse and worse. And, you know, that was, that's what happened for me. And I can no longer manage, you know, the two. Yeah. And, you know, eventually I got kicked out of the NHL and, you know, yeah, that's what happened. Yeah, exactly. Right? It's progressive. Yeah. 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 And then wasn't too long after that, you know, I hit, I hit a few rock bottoms and, and that got me to, you know, got me to sobriety. Yeah. We actually met once when we were both uh, in a rock bottom state. Okay. <laughs> At the French Made in Calgary. I was actually reminiscing on that. When we, when we booked you, I was like, you know, like, I remember being there with them. I was, I was up to the, the same stuff. But uh, it's, mm -hmm. it's mm -hmm. interesting. It's, it's so much nice to have this conversation now, you know, 12 years later. Or 14 years well, later. Probably, yeah, it would be, so it'll it'll be, be at least 15 it, years. Yeah, yeah, yeah 15 I guess years, yeah. 15. Well, my kids are eight already. So, yeah, it yeah. was way before yeah. that. Yeah. But yeah. Um, well, that's, that's the insanity of the disease, right? I and mean, that's, that's where it takes you. It takes you places you never thought you'd ever, you know, go to. And it is a progression too, right? It always seems like for me, it was always alcohol. Like, and that's why that's, that's the main reason I steer clear of alcohol now is because. 
You know, yeah. it's like a couple of drinks and, you know, it's like, hey, you know, all of a sudden a bit of blow doesn't seem like, you know, all bets are off once you get five yeah. or six drinks in you. I mean, everything yeah. starts coming up, coming up as a good idea. So yeah. it's, I mean. Yeah. Well, that's why they say one's too many and a thousand's not enough, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, you know. So how does the, yeah. uh, how does the relational trauma come into this then? You're obviously helping people out with that as well. You went through um, some abuse as, as a, as a kid and you came, you know, you, you got honest about all that, which obviously helped. So that's part of your, you know, how you can help people now as well. Yeah. Well, um, <clears throat> you know, I, I believe that the core of every single issue we have in society starts with trauma and you know, trauma leaves us in emotional pain and suffering and then, you know, and then how do we deal with this, you know, emotional pain that's left behind from these traumatic experiences? Well, we tend to gravitate towards the dark side of life and get involved in addictions, right? Yeah. Because it allows us to cope and manage and, you know, deal with, you know, that pain. But like you said, eventually you come to that place where you got to make a decision, you know, am I going to live or am I going to die, Right. And uh, I've seen many, many examples where, you know, well, they talk about it in the program, right? Jails, death, and institutions, yeah, right? Yeah. So, you know, that's, that's where we go. And, uh, you know, I, I knew that I was better than what I was showing the world and, you know, stopped drinking, but I still had the ism and, you know, I needed to work on the ism part and get, get that under control and, and, uh, yeah so and, and a lot of this trauma happens to us when we're in relationship whether that's our parents or you know my abuser or you know whatever it is and how do how am i gonna get out of this well i'm gonna need to you know first have a relationship with myself instead of running away or fighting or freezing or whatever it is and you know have a relationship with myself and and if I have a good relationship with myself, then, you know, everything else takes care of itself. What's your, what's your take on some of the, the newer addictions that are coming in? I mean, obviously there's a huge uh, opiate problem, but I'm talking more like, um, I mean, I, I think it's starting to become apparent that people are using phones yeah, and video games pro process and, yeah. and movies or whatever. I mean, sex, fill in the blank. There's, there seems to be, yeah. I mean, eventually busyness is going to be, you know, that's the, that's the mm -hmm. main one. Everyone's main line in their busyness. Yeah. They're so busy that well, they can't think about their problems. Well, that's, you know, that's an avoidance strategy, right? You know, you can't, you can't deal with life on life's terms. So you're going to, you know, put yourself in some sort of, place where you don't have to think right yeah and, and deal with you know life from life's terms and so yeah absolutely you know these these companies are very very smart you know they know that uh, there's an addictive aspect to it and so you know i've already heard of a couple cases you know um in sports where these young guys uh you know are addicted to video games you know so I'm waiting to waiting to hear, you know, the first guy go going away, uh, you know, for video game addiction. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, the whole opioid thing is, uh, you know, I sort of have a theory on that is that, um, 
you know, there's a chemical that we produce in our body called oxytocin, and it's the drug of love and connection, yeah. right? Yep. And so, you know, those of us who, um, you know, had parents that, you know, weren't available to us or, you know, gave us the nurturing and love that we needed as a kid, um, you know, the, the pharmaceutical companies knew that we had a whole bunch of fucked up people who, you know, didn't have this relationship uh, aspect as a part of their DNA. And so they created a, uh, you know, a synthetic version called Oxycontin. And when you look at oxytocin and oxycotton underneath the microscope, they look exactly the same, <laughs> except except that oxycotton has one little extra arm attached to it, which is the addictive part. And so, you know, when I, you know, talk to heroin addicts and and people who are addicted to, you know, these opioids, I say, well, why do you do it? Well, they go, because every time I take it, you know, I get this warm and fuzzy feeling. And so it emulates being in a, you know, sort of a, a relationship type of situation. And so that's why people get hooked immediately is because, you know, it gives them that feeling of, uh, relationship. That's interesting. That seems to be, that's like the theme we've been running with here on the show lately too, is that seems to be the, all the groundbreaking research is pointing to the opposite of addiction being connection. And if we could just, yeah. you know, and it doesn't even have to be in a, in a relationship, in an intimate relationship. It, I think it boils down to a lack of community, a lack of, I mean, mm-hmm. the analogy I use is like, even when I was a kid, we would at least once a month and it was my grandma, credit my grandma. Cause she made sure. And it was like, since she passed away, it doesn't happen anymore. I mean, I moved right. away, but she made sure once a month, you know, Easter, whatever it was, whatever that long weekend was of the month, the whole family's getting together down at the property and we're all eating and we're hanging out together for a whole day and a whole night. And even yep. that I find is gone. Like even on Christmas, it's a bunch of, you know, just nuclear families yeah. in, in a sense. And, you know, I mean, that's, that's got its own value, but I think we're really lacking a greater sense of community. Yeah, for sure. And I believe that, you know, the way out of this is community, right? You know, and uh, we were always, uh, you know, as kids anyways, you know, we go to the rink and get our community fix, right? Or teammates and parents and coaches and all that stuff. And so, you know, now that we have phones and video games and all that, you know, it's, it's really taken away from all that. Yeah, you got to force it now. You really got to try and force it. So that seems to be part of your your strategy with your um, you know, you've got theoflurry.life and you do the some motivational speaking and coaching and a lot of it's about conversations and uh just to to build to build that honesty and community, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. There's no question that uh <clears throat> you know, we lack a lot of that old school kind of community stuff. And, you know, in a lot of my sessions that I do, you know, it's very community oriented, community based, you know, and you get a bunch of people in a room and you use, use vulnerability to create safety. And, you know, once you have safety in the room, that's when 
<clears throat> you know, that's when the magic of healing happens. So what kind of advice would you give people or kids, uh, anybody really that have been in abusive, uh, you know, abusive relationships or some of that sexual abuse that, um, you know, that aren't sure what to do. Yeah. I think it's just finding, you know, a safe environment where you can, you know, talk about this stuff. And, you know, that's the biggest reason why we're in the situation that we're in is we haven't created a safe space in, in society yet where, you know, we can talk about trauma, yeah, you know, yeah. everybody's aware of mental illness. Everybody's aware of addiction stuff, but you know, we don't talk about trauma and because we don't talk about trauma, this is, you know, the state of, you know, where we're in as a society is, you know, we, you know, everybody's so afraid of being judged and, you know, stigmatized. You know, people yeah. don't feel, people don't feel safe and, you know, so, so that people end up, you know, masking it with addiction when whatever you want to use, right? Drugs, alcohol, food, sex, gambling, you know, video games, whatever it is, right? Did you, uh, so you, did you, you went through the 12 steps? Was that your, your gateway to sobriety? Well, I went through the 12 steps, but I still wasn't, you know, uh, you know, totally there yet. And so, you know, five years ago, I left five, six, seven years ago, I left, uh, I left the program and went on a spiritual journey because that's basically what the first three steps are in the program. And, uh, you know, I, I've been on a spiritual journey ever since. And, you know, it's that spiritual journey that has sustained me and kept me, you know, clean for, you know, whatever it is, almost over 5,000 consecutive days is, you know, that spirituality is absolutely the core of, you know, my, my sobriety. That's a unique aspect the 12 steps seem to have on it. Is that like people who, and I mean, power on anyone who can give up their, their vices any way they can do it. But the 12 steps seem to have a unique ability to not just get you through that, but also sort of start turning on some other switches, you know, and chasing down that trauma and making amends and, and all those sorts of things. Mm. There's like, a yeah, but I, 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 still, I still find that, you know, uh, there's a lot of 12 step groups that, you know, don't really like talking about sexual abuse and they don't like talking about, you know, drug addiction and all that, you know? So yeah, it was yeah, like, yeah. Yeah. You know, um, so, you know, and you, you can go to as many meetings as you want, but if you're not working, you know, the program, yeah, being sober is one thing, but, you know, having serenity and peace and joy and happiness is, you know, is, is really what you're, you're striving for. Right. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and so, you know, that's why I went on the spiritual journey because, you know, the program just wasn't doing for, for me. I was still irritable, restless, angry, resentful, you know, these kind of things. And so I needed to, to find something else. I needed to find spiritual teachers and, you know, all that. Yeah. And I, I basically found, I found it all in the Aboriginal community. Good for you. Know, you I yeah. started participating, yeah. participating in ceremonies, you know, and, you know, I love, I love sitting in a, in a sweat lodge and, you know, yeah. doing that kind of stuff. And yeah. it's really where I, 
I feel the most connected is when I'm in in ceremony and participating in doing those type of things. Yeah, yeah, that's fantastic. That's kind of why I I'm, I resonate towards this program called Recovery Dharma, where it's about addictions of all kinds and mindfulness and sort of Buddhist practices, where it's not just about being yep. an alcoholic or an addict, but it's just about you know light addictions and life, and really it's more of a mindfulness. Uh, kind of program following yeah. the the buddhist system of the four noble truths and the eightfold path so <clears throat> yeah um how did you uh how were you able to because i'm uh i'm actually a, a status indian but i haven't been able to i've been disconnected it from so long that trying to tiptoe back in to get my kids into the culture and to learn it myself where, where did you turn to, to to get back into that well i i've been to 400 different Aboriginal communities in the last 10 years and it's been <laughs> you know it's been those people that you know have given me my life back spiritually so you know it's, it's about seeking out elders and spiritual teachers and medicine men and you know that kind of stuff and I would say the majority of them are you know that they're more than willing to help you if, if you're looking for the help that you need so you know yeah. Do you have Do you have any advice for kids and parents that are in you know youth hockey programs right now that are I I I talk to some friends that have kids in there and it seems to be quite uh, intense where this you know everybody still has hope that their kids are going to be in the NHL but it's pretty clear that they're they're not going to be there's a lot of obsession over hockey like and I I, I was there I mean. We've in the eighties, I was oh, there yeah. in the eighties, and and you know, was, I was one of the the better players, but never the best. Like never at the point where I I figured I was going to go anywhere. And I was trying to reflect back after reading reading your book, Theo, about like what what was my because you were you knew you knew you were going to the show, and that was your goal, and then you kind of did that. But there's a lot of like I was trying to think back, like was I really interested? I don't think I I just think that I was kind of in the middle on that whole thing. I wasn't really too. I, I kind of knew I wasn't going to make it, but I feel like there's a lot right. of, a lot of delusion there now with kids and parents and a lot of intense fighting and arguing. Like, do you have any advice for them on how, I mean, cause barely anyone makes it to the NHL. It's very, very hard, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's what I tell them, you know, your kid's <laughs> probably not going to play, yeah. you know, it's just the sad reality is that there's only 700 jobs in the NHL. And most of them are taken because Ovechkin has a 10-year deal and Crosby has a 10-year deal and Malkin has a 10-year deal and Taves has a 10-year deal and Kane has a 10-year deal. So right, what I right. tell them is, you know, you have 9 million kids worldwide playing for 60 jobs a year. That's it. You know, and these 60 jobs aren't the elite jobs. The elite jobs are already taken. Right, right. You know? <laughs> yeah, that's just to get and your foot in the door. Yeah, that's, you know, that's to be in the bottom six, you know, make your million bucks a year and going up, up and down the ice, you know, so, you know, it, you know, hockey's become, or sport in general has become a business, right? You got all these guys that are, you know, selling these after market programs, right? Where, you know, I can get your kid to be a better mentally tough athlete. I can get your kid to be a better goal scorer. I can, you know, da, 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 da. And, you know, at the end of the day, you know, your, 
your kid's not going to get you out of poverty, you know? Right, right. You might be better off just being right. a kid. Yeah. Yeah. Or why don't you go to school and get a free education by using, you know, your hockey talents and your hockey ability so that when you do not, when you do fail and not make it, you have a plan B. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So. Yeah. That's definitely the one. Yeah, there's very, there's, you know, you know, like I'm one of 39 guys in the history of the game to have played a thousand games and have more than a thousand points. Yeah. Yeah. There's only 39 of us. Yeah. Right. So, you know, geez, that's pretty good company, (laughs) you know, and, uh, you know, I was a good player, but I'm still only in the top 60 all time scoring. So, you know, so here's a, without mentioning any names, like what, what does that battle to the top toll? What kind of toll does that take on a person? I mean, obviously you had some, some extra circumstances around your your rise mm-hmm. but i mean it seems to be like that whole thing's got to be a little bit weird right you're making a bunch of money you're just yeah. a kid you're you're being judged all the way up and then you're a superstar you always get like what 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 level of how much trauma does just getting to the show come with <laughs> well you know i i just think i was lucky i was in the right place at the right time you know and somebody, somebody liked me, you know, somebody in the flames organization liked me and, you know, gave me an opportunity and, you know, there was just a small crack, uh, open, you know, opening in the door and I kicked the door down and, you know, made the most of it. So, you know, but, you know, I, I grew up in that old school military sort of mentality with coaches, right. You know, they were, uh, you know, they were quite abusive and, uh, you know, they would, they would, uh, they would say and do anything to get you mad and get you motivated. And so, you know, you can't do that anymore, you know, it's yeah, different, right. yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's a different, you know, it's a completely different breed of, of athletes that we're, you know, that we're, um, producing. And so, you know, but, yeah, uh, yeah, but you worked pretty hard too. I mean, you were always a yeah, know, hard worker. No you question. were there, you know, dedicated yeah. completely to the end. I mean, and then I think one of the things that you might have underestimated at the time was the positive, re- positive affirmation and visualization that you were doing. Like you were, I mean, sometimes I try and do that too. Get in that mode where you're visualizing yourself, yeah, like scoring goals or whatever. Yeah. Like, and I mean, you were doing yeah. that, which, which it's funny because you can go through life getting to the NHL and at the highest level of that through positive affirmation and this visualization yet also fall into addiction. And then, and then that must've played a part eventually into getting clean and sober as well. Yeah, for sure. You know, I, I think, you know, I'm just one of those people who had the right DNA and, you know, I, I luckily discovered hockey and, you know, that's where I was supposed to be. And, you know, so, you know, people, people don't look at that stuff, you know, that, you know, uh, I always laugh cause I, you know, I see all these guys on social media who are, you know, selling that they can teach some kid to be a better goal scorer. And I'm like, I'm, I just laugh <laughs> when I see that because, you know, that's DNA shit. You yeah. know, you, you come out of the womb as a goal scorer and hopefully you find that, you know, you, you find it, 
right? Yeah, you know, yeah. that stuff can, you can't teach. You can't teach that stuff. You know. No, I would say all seven hundred jobs are almost your board. That's that's a natural talent that you're lucky enough to find. Same with like throwing a baseball a hundred miles an hour. Yeah, yeah there's no exactly. all the practice in the world isn't going to get me throwing a baseball a hundred miles an hour. Well, it's it, it, you know your DNA takes you to elite status, right? You know, but you know, there's lots of people that can improve, you know, in certain aspects of, of the, of the sport where you can, you know, you can have a five, six, seven, eight year, 10 year, you know, career, but there's, you know, but there's hundreds of thousands of millions of kids that are on that level. Right. And so those are the kids that are competing, you know, for those jobs. Yeah. And so it's highly, highly, highly competitive at, you know, um, you know, your bottom six guys, there's millions of those guys around, you know, if you can break into the top six, you know, those are the guys that have 10, 12, 15, 20 year careers, is, yeah, yeah. you know, those guys that, that have that DNA already, you know, coded in, in them. Well, Gretzky said in your forward that you, you were the big game guy, you know, you're the guy that they count on in the big games. So you, is that part of DNA too, or was that partly learned? Is that confidence? Like why, what, what, why were you the guy that, that would score in the big games? I don't know. I just, I just loved to be in that position, you know, and I knew that you thrived on that stress, right? Yeah. 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 I was, you know, but you know, uh, because I was lacking attention, you know, if I scored a goal, a big goal, you know, then all the spotlights on me and, you know, it was a great feeling. So, yeah. you know, there's a bit of that, there's a bit of that, you know, to it as well. So, well, know, there's, there's also that. something to wanting to be in that moment, right? I mean, a lot of people think they want to be at that moment, but then when the coach taps them on the shoulder, <laughs> they're like, fuck, I don't know if I want to go out there. I mean, it's the same thing yeah. with public speaking or starting a podcast or anything. I mean, it's easy to, and I, I really think, I mean, I'm a huge proponent of manifestation and intention and visualization. Yeah, so absolutely. Think yeah. Just thinking you can do sure. it yeah. plays a huge role. Yeah, absolutely. If you think it, it can, you can make it happen, you know? Well, that's kind of what so, I was getting yeah, at. Yeah, I, 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 I believe in all that stuff, you know, yeah. that, uh, you know, um, you know, I, I, there was only one person in the world who thought I could be sober and that was me. Right. Everybody else was like, you know, <laughs> kind of rip, wrote, yeah. wrote, wrote me off, you know? And so, um, you know, and that's, you know, that's what recovery is, is, you know, how bad do you want it and what are you willing to do in order to achieve it? Right. Yeah. So it yeah. doesn't matter how many times, it doesn't matter how many times people, you know, uh, encourage you or whatever it is at the end of the day it's you you have to do the work and you have to you know you're the one that stays sober yeah there's i mean i guess when 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 you're at your most likely to relapse there's not going to be anyone there i mean the guy at the liquor store is not going to be like hey man no you're not drinking or you know there's it's got to be you because when you're in that moment you're not going to want to tell anyone or you know you're in that bottom of the shame spiral and you're just like sneaking off or you yeah. know whatever it is but you can't count on it if you can't count on yourself you're you're in a world of trouble but the spiritual aspect yeah. of that of that moment of sobriety like even in your book theo when you when you wrote about that last 
when you kind of knew, when you basically pulled the plug, like when you finally totally sincerely asked for help and surrendered was the moment that you got clean and sober. Like yeah. it was clear in the book yep. that there was that, that final like little thing that just, that you, you just surrendered completely. And that's when it happens. And it's yep. so interesting that yep. that principle of surrender is so powerful, but it's hard to explain to people. It's hard to put into words or, you know, how do you, yep. how do you do it? But there's that feeling of just, okay, you've had enough, you know, ask for help, reach out and ask something, <laughs> some higher power yep. for help or whatever. Yeah. Sick and tired of being sick and tired. Yeah. What's you know? your, uh, do yeah. you have, do you have any, uh, opinion on, on, the the route people are going now where people are, some of these people are going down in the Amazon and going the, uh, the, the ayahuasca route or the psychedelic route down there to, to deal with addiction. Do you have any opinion on that? Or do you think that's, uh, do you have, do you have any opinion on whatever, it? Whatever works for you. Yeah. You know, yeah. I know that that. I know that I don't need to be fucking shitting and pissing myself to have a spiritual awakening. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, and, pu and puking and throwing up. I already did. I already went through that, <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> in a, so, yeah. In a sense you, you know, did. Yeah. For, for 20 yeah, years. Right. So, you know, yeah, whatever, you know, whatever works for people, you know, I'm, you know, if, if you, that's what you need to do in order to, you know, have the, have a spiritual awakening, go for it, you know, but, yeah. uh, you know, so do you, do you have a day? I, I just, I just, I just assume to, you know, stay out absence from, you know, all that stuff. And, uh, you know, yeah. I just don't drink. Yeah. Right. Yeah. just don't pick up. Yeah. You know, cause you know, I play the rest of the movie out. Right. You know, yeah, and it doesn't me. end well. It doesn't end well. <laughs> that's me catching a flight to Columbia and uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, yeah right. Waking I'm up going right to the source. <laughs> yeah, waking up in a different waking country. Up a, yeah, yeah. Waking up in a crack den, looking for fucking white specks on the floor. That's where I end up. So. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. I, I feel the same way. I don't. I don't really touch that psychedelic stuff either. But if people, it's it's healing for a lot of people. If they want to do it, then. And that's fine. Do you yeah. have a, do you have a daily like or, or regular spiritual practice of meditation or anything to keep you grounded when you're not in the sweat lodge or anything like that? Yeah, I I, I do I do a lot of prayer stuff. You yeah, know? yeah. So you know, yeah, and then cool. you know, obviously, I try to I try to get into the sweat lodge as much as I can because it's you know for me it's just you know it's it's one of those places I really feel at home and I feel connected. So it's one of those rituals I, you know, I love to do. Yeah. Do you yeah. use the talking stick at all in any of your work or anything like that to help create safe space? Uh, <clears throat> nope. I, I, you know, I have lots of talking sticks that have been given to me, but you know, um, you know, the biggest thing for me is, is, you know, the word vulnerability. You know, I think the more vulnerable we are, the more we create, you know, that safe space and that safe environment for, you know, other people to, you know, talk about what happened to them. <clears throat> yeah, I totally agree. Yeah. Yeah. Right on. Is there anything else you think uh, you want to talk about before we let you go? We appreciate your time and, and talking about. Yeah, this. no, I, I, ju I just, I just think that, uh, you know, you have to find your own way. Right. And you have to find, 
you know, what feels comfortable to you, what you believe. And, you know, at the end of the day, just don't pick up, you know, instead of picking up a drink, pick up the phone and call somebody. Yeah, exactly. You know? Yeah. So it's, it's that simple. But that was one of the hardest things that, you know, that I struggled with was picking up the phone and, and talking, you know? Yeah. But once, but once I grasped onto that concept, you know, every time I did it, it got easier and easier. And, you know, all of a sudden I have, you know, 5,000 days. Yeah. Good for you. Have you ever thought so, about putting your book on audio at all? <clears throat> Lots of people have asked me to do it, but I, I, I just, I am, I don't have the time yeah, right now. Yeah, yeah exactly. Know, we do, we do audio book production. <laughs> We're just so busy, you know? Oh, that's so, good. Yeah. That's a good thing, man. And we I need think, people like I, helping out with addiction. Cause man, it's, 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 it's a losing battle right now. I mean, it's getting worse and worse yeah. out there. So. Well, I encompass the whole thing, right? Yeah. Trauma. Yeah. Trauma is, trauma is the catalyst. And, uh, you know, we don't talk enough about trauma. And, uh, you know, uh, you know, when you talk, when you talk to people about having a gun in your mouth and you talk about being raped 150 times, you know, that really kind of, um, you know, puts it into perspective for people, you know, and, uh, you know, I'm a big, uh, advocate for, you know, talking about trauma because, you know, if we don't talk about our trauma, we're going to continue to struggle with whatever it is we're addicted to. I agree, hundred percent. Yeah. So you must be. Are you a big fan of Brene? Have you read any of Brene oh, Brown oh yeah. stuff? Oh yeah. I've oh yeah. Awesome. She's great. Yep. She's the queen of vulnerability. So yeah, that's who like opened the door for me. Sort of was starting to read her books and go down her stuff, and she just she does a great job of of getting it across. Yeah. Yeah. yeah she puts it in a very simple form that you can understand, right? So. Well, Theo, we thank you for uh, your time and for our, our only Stanley Cup <laughs> to date. Oh. <laughs> um, yeah. We almost got there in 04, but it's not, I don't know, maybe in a few more years. But uh, And thanks for coming on the show. And I, yeah. mean, I couldn't be happier uh, to have you on now. I mean, in a weird way, I'm, I'm happier. My, my 12-year-old self would kick my ass. Yeah. But I'm happier to talk to you now than I am uh, when you were scoring all those goals. Yeah, yeah. I, I appreciate that. Yeah. Well, you you figure out what you know what really matters in life, and you know, hockey's just a game, and you know what we do every day is life and death, and I think that's that's way more important. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, we'll, cool. have, we'll have to do this again sometime. Maybe next time we'll get you in the studio. Yeah, for sure. Sounds good. All right, buddy. And all we'll right, put we'll you. put uh, your website in the show notes and stuff, and we'll link to all your uh, your motivational motivational cool. speaker website and all that. Cool. Okay. Well, I appreciate that. Right on, buddy. Okay. All right, guys. Okay, take care. Have a good night. Have a good one. Bye. Bye. You too. Bye. 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 And that was our chat with Theo Fleury. Yeah, that was good, man. That was on inspiring. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy, eh? Yeah. It's uh, one of the top fifty hockey players of all time. Yeah. 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 And I, well, like, like I said, I mean, I'll probably talk more about this in the intro to the episode, but I mean, this is when I was, uh, 
Like he started in the NHL, I think 87, 88 or something. I had 88, 89. That was right when I graduated high won school. Won the cup in 89. 89. Yeah. Well, that was his first that was year. First year. Yeah. In, with the so Flames. won the Flames Cup in 89. And that's when I graduated in 88. Is it? And so I had already been through like, I think I'd already quit hockey for a half year because it was such a fucking, it was a joke with all the scouts and the competition. And it just, it wasn't fun. Like yeah. we went through a phase, me and a bunch of friends went through a phase where it was just ridiculous sort of politics and pressure in the game. And we're like, forget this but you know still got invited to junior b at one point but i mean it was weird being a small a small kid right nobody thought you could ever make it right it's just automatic like no he's too small it's all yeah. both sides so to see a guy like flurry right from the start in his career like he was putting up the numbers and he was just he was playing his heart out and it was the book was interesting because it talked about small town, you know, Saskatchewan and Winnipeg or uh, Manitoba, Manitoba, and uh, you know, going from rink to rink, and and you know, people would come and sort of see that little guy play, right? And uh, he just knew he was going to the show the whole time. That's really, really interesting the visualization part yeah, of it. Yeah, I'm telling he, you, and you were doubting yourself already. Yeah, yep. Yeah, that's okay. If you would have made the show, you would have just been a wreck. <laughs> <laughs> no, I never really. You know, it's. We had a, the we podcast had, wouldn't be here anyway by any stretch. We had a lot of good players in, in our team, and and they were they were better than me. So I mean, you know, already you're thinking, well, you know, there's no way, right? They, unless, they we all, unless we all make it, yeah. <laughs> and 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 the scouts came out once to our team. This was in like when we were in AAA or whatever, and they're like, okay, guys, the scouts are here. We were eight and one in exhibition, and everybody's like, we we're playing. We we're this is when all the good players ended up on one team, kind of right, which didn't happen very often. And then we went three and thirty three for the season. <laughs> Everybody started playing for themselves. And showing and, off. Oh, it was just worst. And that was probably the beginning of the end of thinking, oh, what, what the hell's going on here? And you got into the drinking. Well, that's, I mean, that, yeah. 15 years yeah. of that. More than that, probably. More than that. 20? I think I did. 22, maybe? I 22. did from like. 22 years? I was maybe? real bad from like probably like 22 to 30. I did like eight bad years. But it was like 20 years. Yeah. 20 years yeah. total. Yeah. But just good to see a guy like Flurry that's still still there, you know, still clean and sober of 14 years. He's still doing it, you know. He's 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 preaching. He's he's putting his money where his mouth is, you know. He's preaching it. He's yeah. work, he's he's living it and he's helping people all over like 400 and something driving home from a talk. Yeah. Calling us from his car. Yeah. On the side of the road yeah. to do the interview yeah. so he can talk about addiction for. Yeah. And that's talking the talk, walking the walk, making the world a better place. Yeah. Uh, what else you got? That's about it, man. That was great. That's yeah, it. It was fantastic. We got the Thurin Flurry interview done. We highly recommend the book, Playing with Fire. Um, nice read. It, it's really a real page turner. So if you're looking for something to um, maybe give you some insight into, I mean, it's, doesn't, he doesn't hold back. No, that's for sure. It's like if you want to go behind the pages of uh, yeah, a little bit of behind the scenes in the NHL too. Yeah, behind the scenes of the NHL and the the party lifestyle with with millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars in the bank. Yeah, and the kind of trouble you can get yourself into. Yeah. This is why it's good for me not to be rich. I would have been fucking in trouble, man. Or drinking, if I would have been in, if I would have got rich in my twenties, it. I might be dead right now. Yeah. Anyway. Here we are all clean and sober. I'm a little less clean and sober than you guys, obviously. I was going to question you that in the middle of that interview. 
about you got to be careful about saying you're clean and sober when you're smoking doobies every day. I mean, that's not, you know, that's like a different, you know, you can say you're sober, but, but I but, can't say I'm clean. Well, probably not technically. I mean, who's, who made the rule book? Yeah, exactly. There's, I'm clean yeah, and sober. Yeah, yeah. As long as I'm not drinking alcohol, snorting cocaine. Yeah. Well, a, it's got, some hookers yeah, ass. but that's, that's interesting, right? Cause that's the way you think about it, mm-hmm. which is fine. Right. And a lot of people still smoke uh, weed and it's a, it's a, it's a harm reduction thing. And they'd rather do that than, than uh, the hard stuff. But for some people it'll lead back to that hard stuff. Oh, right? yeah. That's why, that's 100%. why like, it's still, a, it's a bit of a gray area there. I that's why, that. but that's why people have a tr- troubles with the 12 steps. Like you can't, you can't really go to an AA meeting and not say you're an, if you say oh, you're so an I, addict. They wouldn't let me go to AA? Well, no, not really. Cause no. you're, I mean, no, no, you can go. All you, the only requirement is the desire to stop drinking. That's the only requirement. It's open to everybody. I haven't drank. Actually, I can't say that I mean, anymore. No, but I had the sip of wine. No, that's, yeah, but that's. Does uh, that not count? Not. That was just to test if I wanted it. And immediately I was like, no, I don't want any wine. That's up to you and your higher power. How you want to handle that situation? My high power give me a pretty good talking to. I know you can. (laughs) 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 You know what? I was going to ask you about that, but I was going to wait for the intro that we're about to do right now because it's the DMT guy coming up on the next show. I got humbled. And and I was going to ask you about if if anything came up with your pot smoking in that experience. No. 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 It was more like... uh, you got some work to do, bud. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. You think you're? Yeah. You think you've come a long yeah, you way? Think you've just... come a long way. No. What about this? 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 And this? Wow, that's Pretty crazy. Much. Yeah. But and then a pat on the back too. Pat yeah. on the back as I headed out the door. Get back out there, kid. Yeah. But what I was getting at is, is with AA, it's the twelve steps for it's. It's all segregated, right? So you can be an AA, but that's for alcohol. So if you've got drug issues, you can't really go up there and say you're an addict because then people aren't going to really resonate with it. That's but right. then you go to CA for cocaine or NA for narcotics and you don't want to say you're an alcoholic. So you, but you Cocaine's know, in, a a, in AA, there's a, there's sort of an unwritten rule that you're not sober if you're smoking dope. I mean, that's kind of the way, the way they still see it. Yeah, and I now people are going back see, into the, Bill Wilson's history and going, oh, he was on acid and all this and that. And ugh. who's he to talk about sobriety, blah, blah, blah. But well, the three of us have that in common that cocaine took us down. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's not to be fucked with. Yeah. I can give you one bit of advice. Exactly. Don't fuck with cocaine. Not exactly. even once. Exactly. Don't, yeah. It's a slippery slope. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> We're going to talk to Scott Adams about yeah, that. I'll show slope. you a slippery slope. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Please support the show. GrandAmerica.ca slash support. Help us keep having these chats and uh, growing and doing whatever we got to do uh, at all. Uh, that energy exchange allows us to keep building Grammarica into whatever it's turning into. Yeah. Which is depends better than nothing. Yeah, it's all up to you guys. Depends on that. Let us know. America.ca slash support. All that other stuff in the show notes. You guys could do that. That'd be fantastic. Uh, I think that's about it. Thanks for listening, and we will see you next week. Baby, you're just a single solitary drop in the bucket, baby. 
You're just a drop in the bucket, baby You're just a single solitary drop in the bucket, baby Talk to be my best of friend There's a million dollar house 
million dollar house up for sale back in my hometown think I'll buy it up with my good charm buy myself a dog to be my best friend there's a million dollar house up for sale back in of a dog to be my best friend There's a million dollar house up for sale Back in my hometown Think I'll buy it up with my good child Buy myself a dog to be my best friend There's a million dollar house up for sale Coast to coast, but on demand, raw and uncut interviews, and all without no ads. Once it's false, and one says true, and the rate you sink grows too. America, America is here for you. Stories from the listeners they sent to Graham. He'll read the man, be amazed. But Darren may say no One says red and one says blue But if it's balls it just won't 